And though it doesn't feel like this now, this pandemic will pass. It won't last forever. And one day, hopefully soon, we will be looking back on it, not living through it. What you've seen throughout this crisis is that the, the union working together with the, 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 the money for supporting people through furlough, the, the army working on the, on the testing, moving people around. But now uh, what we want to do is build back better together. The reputation of the Scottish government tainted. The standing of this parliament diminished. A culture of secrets and cover-up that is only growing and it is all taking place on Nicola Sturgeon's watch. There is a reputation here that I think is uh, perhaps disintegrating before our eyes and it's, uh, it's not mine, may, may I say, but Ruth Davison has just gone through there uh, a litany of nonsense. The Steamy, a laudable production for the Scotsman. Hello and welcome to The Steamy, the Scotsman's political podcast. Um, my name is Conor Matchett. I'm a political reporter at Scotsman and with me as always is the Deputy Political Editor, Gina Davison. Gina, how are you doing? It's three days, two days to polling day. Big week ahead. You're right. I'm suddenly hearing Europe's final countdown music in my head. As <laughs> you say that, Conor. We are on the final stretch. Not long to go now, folks. It's, it's been a fascinating campaign, not least due to the fact that we've had a brand new political party rear its head um, right at the start of the campaign. And that is, of course, Alex Salmon's Albert Party. We have um, a long-standing uh, ally and friend of Alex Salmon, Tasmina Ahmed Sheikh, on the programme uh, later on. You'll hear from her talking about all things from Russia to um, Mr. Salmon's alleged behaviour um, and also Alba Party's drive for independence. So we'll hear from her later. But uh, just before we do go there, um, there's been about 3,000 million polls um, in the past few weeks, as you'd expect. Um, we are two days away from polling day. It's going to be the strangest polling day um, for many of us. There'll be no exit poll. There'll be no overnight counts and expectant results at 4 a.m. in the morning. Um, Gina, are you looking forward to it? Is it has it been a positive campaign, do you think, or is it is it something that we could see very little changing? Because that's where I think we're going to be. Yeah, I think you're right, Connor. I think it's been incredibly difficult for the parties um, to campaign. We, uh, you know, and, and it's been very difficult to, to report on. It's, um, you know, a, a campaign which we've had to follow like anybody else from our own homes. You know, you're not getting out and about on the campaign trail, no following politicians around and barking uncomfortable questions at them <laughs> whenever they've uh, stopped for a minute or even hearing the questions that the that the electorate are putting to them as, as they go out and about, which generally always sparks a, a story or two. Um, so there's been none of that. Uh, it's all been very managed. It's all been very socially distant. You know, when um, politicians have been out doing photocalls, I mean, we have obviously been able to rely on Willie Rennie doing the, the madcap stunts <laughs> as ever, which has been the one <laughs> the one shining light, I guess. Um, so, yeah, it's been very, very difficult all round, I think. And I think, as you say, the result of that will be that there'll be very little change and the real question will be, I think, on Thursday is who will turn out to vote. Now, we've seen the number of postal votes go up. There's been a, a higher percentage of people applying for those. But who is actually going to go out on Thursday and vote? That will be key to, to what actually happens when the counts do come through on the Friday and the Saturday. Absolutely. I mean, there's, there's, there's key 
I mean, if we talk quickly, you know, the the biggest question of the night will be whether or not the SNP gain a majority or not. We know they're going to win. No, none of the, none of the opposition parties are even pretending they're going to come close. Which we we usually get someone going. I'm going to still be first minister despite being at fifteen percent in the polls. But we'll healthy not dose have that of realism this time around. <laughs> <Yeah, it's, laughs> it has been remarkable from politicians. Um, but uh, uh, the big question is going to be, you know, whether the SNP win an outright majority or not. Um, a handful of constituencies probably going to decide that. Um, worth. You know, listeners keeping an eye out for Dumbarton, which is the razor-thin marginal uh, between the SNP and Labour with Jackie Bailey um, currently holding that. And Eastwood is the only, probably, as you said, I think to me the other week, in the only three-way marginal in Scotland. Um, that's Jackson Carlow's current seat. Edinburgh Southern will be an interesting watch. That's Daniel Johnson's seat. That's another Labour SNP marginal. Um, and obviously, Edinburgh Central, Ruth Davison's former seat. Um, and an SNP Tory marginal. Those are just four. There's there's seven or eight that are razor thin and could go either way. And um, Keith Ness is another one to watch. That might be a Lib Dem gain or a very rare occurrence. Um, and yeah, it's, it's that's going to be the main question. Gina, I'm going to put you on the spot and you're going to hate me for it. Yes or no, SNP majority? Majority of one. Majority of one. Okay. I don't think they're going to get a majority. I think they'll be short two or three. Do you? Okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> We've hedged our bets completely there. We've hedged our bets. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think uh, it will all depend on turnout. So the SNP will be uh, making sure they can do everything in their power to get their vote out and not allow it to be a foregone conclusion that keeps people at home. Absolutely. Um, the other question, I think the biggest question after the SNP is whether or not Alex Salmon's Alba party will get any seats. Now, that is a real unknown. At the minute, they've polled as high as 6% and as low as 1%, which is essentially saying that they're about 3% or that the pollsters just have no bleeding clue um, where they are. Um, most likely, they might get in somewhere in the, in the Highlands and Islands, um, which is where Kate Torrance is uh, the lead candidate. Obviously, whether or not Alex Salmon gets in the Northeast is a big question mark. And also, probably the West of Scotland is their other best hope. Um, and Tasmina, who we speak to later, is standing in central Scotland. That's potentially their other um, best hope if they were going to get four plus MSPs. Jean, I'm going to ask you the same question straight up. Will Alba make a breakthrough? I, I think they will, actually. Um, I, I don't know that they'll return as many as four, but I think we might at least see one um, Alba candidate uh, being returned. And I think the one that's most likely is Alex Hammond. Um, you know he has a lot of support still in in the northeast of um, <clears throat> of the country, uh, personal support rather than just um, uh, you know SNP support or previous SNP support. Although there seems to be a lot of um, people who are uh, accepting this idea of tactical voting on the list to to return what he's calling a, a supermajority. So I think, yeah, I think we will see Mr. Salmond back in the parliament and that will bring with it a whole host of uh, new experiences, I think, for all of us that have to cover the, the ups and downs of Holyrood <laughs> over the next five years. Absolutely. It'll be a fascinating contest. Um, I'm going to hedge my bets as well, or hedge the Steamy's bets and say they're not going to get any any seats. I think they'll they'll they might get close in one or two, um, but my 
inkling is that they're just going to narrowly miss out, especially I think in the Highlands and Islands, there's a, there's an understated element of the fact that you've got Andy Whiteman mm. up there mm. as well, which I think could further split. It probably split the green vote more than anything, but it probably will also split anyone thinking of voting slightly differently on the list. I think Andy, I think Andy Whiteman um, is a real uh, wild card in the Highlands and Islands. And it, it wouldn't surprise me actually to see him come back. And that's, um, that's, Based on the fact that I think, you know, the Highlands in particular, you know, like independent candidates, you know, they do vote that way at local elections. And now if they think there is an actually a credible independent on the list, you might find that they they go that way. Um, Or, as you say, they might split the green vote entirely. Would that let Alba through the middle? Goodness, you'd think we were experts or something, Connor. (laughs) Now we have no answers. (laughs) We have no answers to it. We'll only know when everyone else knows, um, <laughs> which is probably on Friday and Saturday. Yeah. I mean, we, we're expecting a full result on Saturday evening. Mm-hmm. Uh, the list votes will be counted. Uh, there's an estimated time, I think, for the Glasgow region of seven o'clock um, on Saturday. So we can probably expect a result around 8 p.m., 9 p.m. on Saturday, which is delightful news for those of us who will be working late. Um, well, but it, yes, at least it's not uh, a through. Although I, I've always really enjoyed election counts and, and working through the night. <laughs> it's always been um, good fun, really, um, for political journalists. So it'd be odd not to do that this time around and for it to be like a sort of normal day job on Friday and, Absolutely and Saturday. Absolutely. Very strange. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not well, so much coffee that, being drunk. <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, but it's, it's going to be a fascinating day. Gina, I mean, Last thought on this before we get to speak to Tismina, but um, how would you rate the campaign overall? Do you think it's been um, energised? Has it been dogged by you know anything? Is it has it been a positive campaign or has it been you know um, for me it's been pretty pretty boring, pretty down the middle. Very little has gone on, and personally, I think very little will have changed any voters' minds. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I think it started flat. You know, people questioned why there was so much uh, coverage of the Alba party, but let's face it, it was about the only new thing that that, that was happening. So, um, so, so that was uh, a flurry of excitement when that all launched. Although, even since then, that's kind of fallen away again. Um, and in the last you know week or so there's been much more focus on independence um it's been a, it's been interesting to see Nicholas Sturgeon uh being forced to talk about you know what independence actually looks like around the economy and around borders and so on and accept that she doesn't have any answers at the minute and then kind of back away from saying that this is an election about independence when everybody knows that that's precisely what it is so so that's been one of the interesting um, factors. Seeing an Asarwar out on the campaign trail, that's been interesting. It's the first time he's obviously been leader of Scottish Labour. Uh, the polls seem to suggest that people like him, even if they don't necessarily plan to vote Labour. But he's been quite clear, I suppose, in saying that this is about kind of re-establishing Labour and it will be in the next five years that that will uh, count should uh, people change their minds and vote Labour again at the next parliamentary election. So these things have all been interesting, but overall I would say that the campaign has been fairly fairly flat, fairly run-of-the-mill, all the same arguments, all the same discussions, and that's because it's, it's all about the Constitution and, and, and at the minute Scotland just can't seem to get away from that. 
Absolutely not. It'll be interesting to see the results. And uh, I'm sure you listening at home will uh, have your opinions and thoughts about which way it's going to go. Feel free to get in touch with either of us um, on Twitter about the results. If you have any strong feelings, um, I'm at Connor Matchett, Connor underscore Matchett. And Gina is at one out mum hack um, on Twitter. So get in touch with us if you feel like it. But now uh, we're going to speak to a central Scotland candidate for the Alba party and former SNP MP, Tasmina Ahmed-Sheikh. Hello and welcome to the steamy Alba candidate for Central Scotland, Tasmina Akwesheikh. Uh, Tasmina, thank you very much for being here today. Gina is also here uh, to have a chat with you. Um, we are currently three days away as we're speaking to you from polling day on Thursday. Um, this podcast will come out Tuesday. We're talking to you on Monday afternoon. Um, how's the campaign been for, for Alba as a brand new party? Um, a lot of work to have been done, I'm sure. Well, thank you very much, Connor and Gina, both of you, uh, for inviting me on. It's, it's a pleasure to be able to speak to you. Um, well, we're having a tremendous time, as you, as you rightly say, Connor. The party just celebrated its its fifth week, fifth week old birthday on Friday. So we're, we're, we're new kids on the block with some old hands uh, in there as, as well, of course. Um, we're having a tremendous time, uh, Connor. I, I think that... Uh, we have injected some energy into this campaign. I think very much, you know, certainly a few weeks ago before, you know, before, before we entered the race, very much it was seen as, as a done deal. You know, the anticipation was there would be a certain result. Polls were fairly, fairly stabilised in terms of what that result was going to be. And it wasn't particularly exciting. Uh, new things have been injected, of course, as a new le- Labour leadership in Anna Sarwa. He's somebody new, of course, to the campaign in that role. You know, but apart from that, it's been fairly boring. And I think uh, we've injected energy. Um, we've energised people on the ground in terms of a grassroots campaign. Uh, I hope and feel and know we've energised women to become uh, increasingly involved um, in this election campaign. And as you say, Connor, we're, we're recording on Monday, but just yesterday, of course, we uh, we had a photo call with all of our the majority of our women candidates outside the Scottish Parliament and, you know, socially distanced. It was the first time we'd seen each other. And, you know, it's, it's, we should always remember that we're fighting this election first when any of us have fought in these extreme COVID circumstances. And it's challenging, challenging to engage with voters, but also challenging in terms of enjoying the ability to engage with one another. And certainly as a woman, you know, the energy you feel as a woman when, when being in the same space as women is a tremendous thing. And even though we were distanced and there was lots of fresh air, etc., it was just good to see people's faces, women's faces. I enjoyed that tremendously. Fantastic. Well, I mean, it's it's certainly you've certainly added a different dimension to this campaign. I think that would be uh, it'd be <laughs> wrong to say anything else than that. Um, I think uh, first thing I wanted to ask. I mean, Alba's central policy um, at this election is the so-called supermajority of pro-independence MSPs. Can you define for me? what exactly that means? Well, supermajority, of course, people will, will have different figures in their heads in terms of what that looks to from a numeric perspective. We would anticipate we'd hope to get about 90 MSPs in a, in a supermajority um, if, if people vote looking at the maths and looking at the arithmetic and looking where votes might be wasted depending on current polling. I mean, the polls just out over the weekend would indicate not only that uh, Alba sets to win seats, but indeed, the SNP is projected to win no regional seats whatsoever. 
hence our suggestion, and it's in our election materials, and it's what we're saying to people who we meet in their gardens, is that, you know, to vote SNP in, in the constituency ballot, because we're an independent supporting party, uh, and I support Nicola Sturgeon to be First Minister. But the second vote shouldn't be a wasted vote. The second vote has to count. And if you support independence, if you support women's rights, if you support a bold, brave and interesting policy range, then, then a vote for Alba is a very positive vote for Scotland's future. Now, you know, a majority, a supermajority is important for a number of reasons. And using that terminology is important for a number of reasons. There has been an independence majority in the Scottish Parliament since 2016. Nothing has been delivered with that majority, despite the urgent need for it to be so delivered. There have been a number of mandates instructing the government uh, to do certain things in certain circumstances as the government has laid out its prospectuses before the electorate and various elections that have happened in that period of time. But nothing has happened. And, you know, that, this has allowed Boris. And, you know, remember, Conor, I, I've, uh, I've been an SNP MP and I've sat on those front benches at Westminster and I've had plenty of jousting with the Boris Johnson, one which led to Nicholas Soames, the, the grandson of uh, Winston Churchill, having to come to Boris Johnson's rescue by barking at me, by whiffing at me in the chamber when I was uh, asking Boris Johnson serious questions about foreign policy. The point being, there is a lack of respect at Westminster and by the Tories for the will and wishes of the people of Scotland. And that cannot be allowed to continue. But as it currently stands... Boris Johnson and his majority Conservative government have framed that as a debate against the Tories at Westminster and the SNP in the Scottish Parliament. What we are trying to do is to reframe and recast that debate so it's actually Boris Johnson and Whitehall against the people of Scotland. And that is why in this election it's very important that people, and we have a very smart and wise electorate, use their votes wisely to maximise the number of pro-independence MSPs in this election. So it becomes the Tory party versus the people of Scotland who are represented by a majority pro-independence number of MSPs. And I think that's a really important distinction to make. Tasmina, can I ask, is there not a, a certain issue around legitimacy of that? If you look at turnout of Scottish Parliament elections, I mean, 2016, there was only a 56% uh, voter turnout, you know, and the polls are all saying on the independence question, um, you know, set aside the, the parties themselves, that, you know, the, the support for independence is sliding backwards. You know, I think 50-50 is the latest one, but prior to that, um, some have been as low as only 42% for independence. I mean, you know, your party is basically suggesting that this election is a referendum on, you know, on independence and referendum. And that's something that Nicola Sturgeon is very much trying to distance herself from. And if the, if the electorate don't turn out in massive numbers on Thursday, how could you possibly say that you're, you know, if there are more pro-independence MSPs returned, that that's actually reflective of the population as a whole? Well, Gina, if I may, the uh, the polls are resoundingly. Uh, I know there've been a there's been a few that have, have given different different results, but you know we're absolutely back on track in terms of what the polls to say relative to independence and the public's the public's view on that. And in terms of turnouts, I mean, the, I mean, on that basis, Gina, you could question electoral turnout in council elections, which is minuscule, unfortunately so. And it shows there's a disengaged public with local matters that really do matter. Um, so I, I don't think you could say that if there's a, 
a lower turnout for a variety of reasons that that vote wasn't legitimate because people who do choose to vote are voting very legitimately and looking at all of the arguments. There are many people who have chosen not to vote. Uh, you know, as I say, when I've been delivering leaflets and uh, you see people in their gardens when Scotland's chosen to be kind to us on a couple of days in the past couple of weeks when there's been some sunshine, they're saying we're not voting because we think there's no point and we've not voted since 2014. These are arguments we need to be listening to as to why people are so disengaged from politics. So I think, and uh, to correct another point, Gina, if I may, that you've made, we're not for one second saying this is a referendum on independence. What the Alba Party is saying is that there requires to be action to move forward the prospectus for independence because it is having these very levers within our control and having the powers of independence that will enable us to deal with all of the issues that are currently affecting people across Scotland and indeed across the world in a post-pandemic or ongoing pandemic indeed and post-Brexit era. So without those powers, we can't affect the change. Without those powers, we're just going to continue asking uh, for the generosity of the Chancellor of the Exchequer uh, and, uh, and Boris Johnson in, in giving us more money. I see. Why should we be doing that when the people of Scotland clearly and in a number of polls now uh, have indicated that, that they want the opportunity uh, to vote for independence or indeed uh, to have independence uh, as a way forward? So our party, the Alba Party, is there to, let's just say, to, to support and encourage and to shake things up uh, in terms of uh, directing uh, and encouraging uh, our colleagues, former colleagues in the SNP to move things along with the independence argument. The Scottish Government is well capable of doing more than one thing at once. And whilst I accept and appreciate and respect uh, the First Minister's um, acceptance and a need of the desire to continue to fight the pandemic, that cannot be the only thing that this Scottish Parliament does. Because the Scottish, the Scottish Government needs powers, the Scottish Parliament needs powers at its disposal to enable that recovery to be effective, to be impactful, to be quick. Because when you, you know, when you're canvassing, Gina, you know, areas in Scotland where there's poverty, deprivation, inequality, how long are we asking these people to wait for change? Much of the same isn't enough. Continuing as we are isn't enough. We need to have change. And what Albert brings is not just the, the desire to move things forward, but a range of people. Uh, 18 women and 14 men from a variety of backgrounds, some who've never held political office before, some who currently hold and some who have previously hold, held political office. But these are people who come from a background of experience and knowledge that can bring that experience and knowledge to Parliament to affect change. And that is what we need to happen to make Scotland uh, get to where we need Scotland to, to get to which is, in my view, as an independent, normal country. Can, can I ask, Tasmina, I mean, independence polling showed that, you know, from about, I'd say, mid-June, July last year to around about February this year, um, sustained support for um, leaving the union and, and uh, Scottish independence in the event of a second referendum. Support for independence only started dropping when Alex Salmond, the leader of the Alba Party, former leader of the SNP, former First Minister, etc., made his return to frontline politics, really, during this, the, the, the Holyrood inquiry into the handling of harassment complaints, and then following on from that with the return of the Alba Party. I'm going to put it to you that while Alba might be good for Scottish democracy, it is fundamentally 
bad for Scottish independence? Well, let's put this another way, Connor. Let's put it this way, that perhaps the reason for slips in the polls that have now recovered in relation to independence is because the SNP stopped talking about it as its primary objective. The primary objective of the SNP is to achieve a normal, independent country. Once you stop talking about that and taking it off the radar as being something not as important as it needs to be, people stop considering it so. But opinion polls will also tell you, Connor, that the people of Scotland think independence is a really important part of this debate. That's what the polling tells us. And of course, it's only because ALBA has started talking about independence and the importance of it, just not as, a, as an ambition in and of itself, but as an, a need, as a, as a priority uh, to, to get Scotland out of this, uh, get into, into economic recovery. So I would look at that question in, in a completely different light. You know, people, uh, you know, the, the Alba Party exists, of course, uh, to promote the cause of Scottish independence because that's the cause that needs to be promoted and to prepare the groundwork for independence. And that is also something that was taken to do by various policies that proposed in our manifesto, not least a written constitution. So I absolutely do not accept the premise at all of what you're suggesting, that by our involvement in the scene that the support for independence has dropped, because the polling over the weekend will tell you that's not the case. But the polling hasn't exactly bounced back in major recovery since Alba Party well, come in. I mean, are, what, what, what percentages are we talking about, Con? You're talking about about two or three percent. You're making it sound like it's some kind of major, a major dip in polling. It's not. The people of Scotland are, are in a very interesting place in terms of uh, independence, and perhaps that's something to do with the fact that the SNP are not actively campaigning for independence by presenting a whole raft of policy measures uh, that we need to put in place to bring people on. To understanding why independence is where we need to go. You don't deliver independence by not talking about it or not having a positive perspective for it or doing the groundwork and the homework. You encourage people's independence by doing that background and that homework. And that's some of that work we have started, some of that work we will encourage to happen. And indeed, uh, as you know, uh, as, as we have said, you know, and that, that first week of, of a Scottish Parliament, we'll be laying down a motion looking for support from other pro-independence parties to advance the cause of, of Scottish independence. And Gina, if I may, just to come back to the one point you'd made about uh, about legitimacy, there's a very interesting panel-based poll a couple of weeks ago that made it very clear by by over 75% to 25%, the Alba Party has a legitimate space in this campaign. And of course, you'll, you'll be aware uh, that, you know, as a European nation or wishing to be a European nation once again, uh, a part of the EU, uh, you know, Scotland, I'm sure, would emulate itself on other countries, but there are many less parties that stand in elections. Why should we be any different? Well, um, no, I, I think you misunderstood me, Tasmina. I don't think there's anything illegitimate about many parties standing. And in fact, I'm all for a more pluralist um, Scottish Parliament, really, in, mm -hmm. the, in the long run. Um, <clears throat> it was just more along the lines of, uh, of voter turnout and whether or not you can um, actually base you know, a demand for independence upon that and I, and I think it's quite interesting as well you talk about the work that's needing done I mean it's become very clear from interviews that Nicola Sturgeon has had recently that um, that there has been very little work done on what the, the offer would be to uh, the Scottish electorate should there be another independence referendum you know there's no um, there's there's no economic basis at the moment uh, for independence as far as uh, Nicola Sturgeon has 
has said. You know, not that there's no economic think, basis. Think, Sorry, I, think, I should say she's not got think, a new economic case for independence. Well, and then there are also um, arguments around around the border with England. Well, and it's you know, interesting I, I, you mention yeah. Europe. Sorry, if I could just finish this point. Yeah, I, I, I it's Sorry, interesting apologies. you mentioned going back into Europe because um, Alba's policy on that is EFTA, isn't it? Rather than rather than the EU, um, maybe yeah. pushing that further down the road. Um, I mean, what would your solution be to a a border, a hard European uh, Union border between Scotland and England. Right. So, so let's let's not just breeze over the fact, um, um, if I may, uh, Gina, that there isn't an updated economic plan for independence. The question is, why not? If plans that are in place have been outdated, then there should be updated plans because that is the whole point of the SNP is to deliver a, an independent Scotland. It's a, the main thing in their constitution. So, so where are those plans for the future? We're saying there need to be plans in place. And, and you, you, make, you make the case for me, dear, in terms of why, why ALBA is so needed in this election, why ALBA is so needed by the independence movement. It's, it's for action on, on these very issues, you know, on the economic case for independence, which is indeed a strong one. It's certainly not, there's certainly not a strong economic case to remain within the United Kingdom, who's you know, alienating itself from the rest of the world in, in its behaviour and its antics uh, in, a number of, in a number of different areas. So there are questions to be answered. Now, you know, Gina, I'm not professing to have the answers to all of these questions, because the answers to all of these questions come from detailed engagement uh, with uh, academics, with civic society, by way of citizens' assembly, by way of those with experience and understanding of these very important issues. This work needs to be started now. Across a number of the issues uh, that you've raised, we cannot wait any longer for it. And it's quite frankly un unforgivable that that hasn't happened. Action requires to, to, to take place in this respect. Now, it's, a, it's certainly a failing to, to be admitting to the fact that no, no work has been done. Now, you ask about, uh, about, the, about Europe and, and, and membership of the European Union. Alba's position is that rejoining uh, the, the European Union is something that should be asked of the people of Scotland, not just taken for granted. And we've no idea what the terms and conditions of that uh, rejoining of the European Union will be. We have absolutely no idea because we haven't commenced those negotiations, because we haven't commenced an active campaign for independence, which we need to do, which might perhaps allow us to have these important discussions with counterparts in other parts of Europe. But what we do know is that we have to fix the economics and then it turned to the politics. There are opportunities for readmission to the single market for Scotland and indeed to the European economic area, which take months and not years. And Scotland should seek to negotiate that European position simultaneously with negotiating independence with Westminster. The secure position that Scotland should, should perhaps be looking for is membership of the European Free Trade Association, EFTA, membership of the single market and the European economic area. And, you know, even as an initial proposal, at least, It'll be beneficial to stay within a customs union of the UK nations and certainly within the single uh, travel area across the British Isles, first established, I should say, in 1923, with the foundation of the Irish Free State. And in due course, Scotland, Scotland, the whole of Scotland, could then take a judgment on the best permanent route forward, having secured the tradable economic base of the country, because that is economic imperative just now, is to do with that very issue. Can, can I ask you, Tasmina, um on um, independence, the Alba 
say that independence negotiations, not negotiations for a referendum, although that's in your manifesto as an option, but independence negotiations in terms of we are now an independent country should begin on day one, week one of the Scottish Parliament. But every other pro-independence party, you know, you could take the pro-union parties for granted in this, would reject such a motion if laid down in the Scottish Parliament. Um, surely that renders Alba pointless within a week. Well, that may well be the intent of the of the Scottish Greens and the Scottish National Party to try and render us pointless to the electorate, but the electorate will speak on Thursday and they will answer that question. Connor. But this is about after but, the election. Well, 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 okay. So we're talking about a motion that we're proposing to advance the cause of Scottish independence based on the electorate in Scotland having spoken. Now, as a pro-independence person, as, as, a, as a nationalist, the only motions, Connor, I could possibly imagine as a pro-independent MSP not supporting and rejecting outright without even looking at them, without even looking at the words that are included in those motions is a one to retain the union of the United Kingdom and the second one would be to retain a new trident. Apart from those two motions, which should absolutely be not even worth looking at on the basis that we feel so strongly about these items, why would you not look at a motion from a pro-independent supporting party elected by a number of people in Scotland to deliver on an independent supermajority. Why wouldn't you? That's a kick in the face to the people of Scotland who voted for that. That's an incredible position to adopt. I mean, the SNP and Greens may think it's, it's washing in terms of what newspaper headlines they may get or what, what media hits they may get, that, but you need to be asking the, the electorate what they think of those who are rejecting outright motions that they haven't even seen the wording of. And I should add, and you will know, of course, that both Gil Patterson and Alex Neil, uh, MSPs, both retiring, of course, now after years, decades of service to the cause of independence, have suggested that is certainly not the right thing to be doing and encouraging, indeed, that any such motion, motion laid down by the Alba Party is looked at on its merits uh, when presented before the Scottish Parliament, if we get the opportunity to do that. Going back quickly, Tasmina, to what to what to your response to Gina about borders in Europe, you said that the work has to have been started now by the SNP. Now, Alba was founded early in 2021. You've been around for a good few months, obviously publicly only in six weeks. Why haven't you done that work ahead of this election yourselves? No, Connor, we've been around for five weeks. And I think in five weeks, given that we've got you know 32 candidates standing in an election, a manifesto with lots of varied and, and enriched and encouraging policies with ambition and initiative. And we're, we're out and about and we're registering in the polls and we're set to win seats. I think we've done a pile of work in five weeks. Just imagine in the last five years, if those parties, pro-independent supporting parties, had done that amount of work in that period of time, how far along we would be in the independence debate much further than we currently are. So uh, whilst I understand the legitimacy of your question, Connor, I would certainly say that I think we've done an awful lot to shake things up in the past five weeks. And you know, we've only been on board in that five-week period of the time that the party was founded just a short while before by, by Laurie Flint, not by us. So in that period of time, we've got more than 5,000 members, two MPs, over 20 elected councillors across Scotland. We're standing 18 women and 14 men candidates in this election. We have a, a manifesto, I should add, 
that has the input of independent experts, including Professor Sahari Burns in terms of our health policy, Professor Lindsay Patterson in terms of education, the former governor of Cotton Vale, Ronald Hotchkiss, in terms of women and equalities policy, Dr. Nigat Riaz in terms of BAME policy, and Gareth Wardell, just to name but a few. And of course, Sir Alf Baird in terms of maritime policy. So not only have we called upon expertise and knowledge of our, of, from our own ranks and, and, and membership and candidates. We've also called from expertise from, from a range of experts in their field. And I just say in five weeks, we've done that. If we'd had five years, Connor, we'd be well on the way to presenting a, an excellent uh, prospectus to the people of Scotland when it comes to the, the point where they get to put their cross in the box to vote for Scotland's future to be a normal independent country. You are claiming, though, that a vote for Alba at this election means that independence negotiations will start on Monday. Why hasn't that work been done? Why isn't that in, in your manifesto? It, we would ask the same of the SNP. They're trying to claim the same thing, that a vote for them is a vote for India F2 and a vote for Scottish independence. You are providing the electorate, arguably, with as few answers as the SNP are. Well, that's simply not true. We've, we've made it very clear what we stand for in terms of urgency in the pursuit of independence. The very fact that we've mentioned tabling a motion that you've just referred to in a prior question, Connor, makes that very clear, that, that, that the, the urgency in which we're seeking to take this forward and the manner in which we're seeking to do so. If there's any impediment to doing so, then that, that question should be asked of the other pro-independence parties as to why they wouldn't possibly think if you returned, you know, isn't that what they're asking you to do? Isn't that what the Greens and the SNP are asking you to do is to return a, a pro-independence majority of, of MSPs? If that's the case, to what avail if it's not to advance the cause of Scottish independence? So we're standing for urgency in, in pursuit of that independence. And in just two weeks' time, we'll be instructing the Scottish government via motion to immediately begin uh, those independence negotiations we believe that we can contribute to that independence majority. I mean, you know, Connor, even if only half of previous SNP voters switched to Alba, then we'll get 20 plus more independence supporting MSPs. And we plan a, a direct route to independence, including an independence commission, in our, which is on our manifesto, reporting to a special committee of the Scottish Parliament and a convention of all Scottish parliamentarians meeting in the Royal High School Chamber. You know, these are these are plans, actual effective plans we've got to take the matter forward. And of course, we'll be able to present to Boris Johnson and Whitehall a decision of the electorate that they've had enough of uh, of government from Whitehall that just subjects us to further poverty, inequality, lack of opportunity, uh, uh, suppressing our ambition to become a normal independent country. And we want to take our future in our own hands. And I just hope, coming back to Gina's excellent question about electoral turnout, that people feel enthused enough to come out. You know, Quan, if I could encapsulate our campaign of the last five weeks in a period of time, it would be the summer of 2014. And I was, uh, you'd be aware, on the border of Yes Scotland, and I was out and about in village halls, you know, across the country, speaking to people who, for the first time, had hope on their faces that the opportunity to change things for the better existed. And those people were really disappointed and disenfranchised and came out again in certain numbers in 2015 to elect 56 SNP MPs, of which I was, I was proud to be one. But unfortunately, speaking to, to people on the campaign trail, many again feel disenfranchised. And I hope that, and from speaking to them, it seems to be the case that there's a renewed energy to bring back that spirit of 2014, that there is something worth voting for. It's not much of the same because much of the same isn't good enough. 
This is voting for something that's positive, positive change for the future with real ambition for Scotland, with people who feel as passionately about I do for the country I know we can be, that will hopefully encourage them to come out and vote in the first place, however they may choose to vote, because democracy is important, but also hopefully put their X in the box of those who will deliver a pro-independence majority that will deliver action. And in our view, that's a vote for the SNP in the constituency ballot and a vote for ALBA on the regional list ballot across all of Scotland. Uh, Tasmina, can I ask, um, you, you mentioned 2014 and you know the thing that um, shelled the, the Yes campaign below waters was uh, the economic case and the, the issues around currency and so on and so forth. And as we were just discussing, you know, um, Nicola Sturgeon has been clear in the last few days that a new economic case needs to be made. Um, and you say, why has that not happened already? I guess they would, she and maybe even the Greens, I don't know, would point to the, the COVID pandemic as uh, being something that has derailed them there. But, uh, you know, you and many of your party members, including uh, Alex Salmond, um, were involved with that 2014 campaign, you know what the failures were in persuading the electorate. And what has happened in the seven years for, for yourself, for Alex Salmond, for Kenny McCaskill, for, for others? I mean, why is it that even now, as you've come forward with a new approach to independence, as you're saying, you don't have answers to those questions? I mean, that's seven years ago. Why, I mean, you know, the, the question has to be asked of, of the whole independence movement, why there is no new case? Well, I accept that's a question to be asked of those elected parliamentarians in terms of why there is no case, uh, following the premise of your question, why, in your view, there's no case for independence being made and why there's no preparations. I mean, that's, that's part of the point and the reason why the Alba Party was formed. If we just go back, Gina, uh, to 2014, and this is a, this is a criticism that's been levelled, and, and, and rightly so. Um, at the independence uh, the movement. It's not fair to, to level it at the movement because independence movement have been marching, have been campaigning, have been out in the streets since 2014, and we owe them so very much for keeping that work going, uh, whilst, okay, so, whilst others so, weren't even so, attending okay. their rallies. So, but in 24, from 2014, uh, Gina, I was elected in 2015 to Westminster. Arguably, you'd say to me, what, what did you do about independence? So every waking day and every waking opportunity in that parliament I was arguing for the case for independence, arguing initially, because you remember the promise David Cameron made to us that we would be leading, you know, leading in the United Kingdom as opposed to, you know, falling behind. And he'd be looking to us as, as part of a renewed, rejuvenated United Kingdom. Of course, that didn't happen. It was nonsense. All of the powers that required to be delivered were not delivered. The debate around this, around renewed powers and enhanced powers in Scotland, that became much of a joke when all of our amendments to it were rejected in, in the House of Commons. So we've been arguing for that. Then, of course, Brexit came along in 2016. And that uh, was the opportunity, in my view, for Scotland to say, enough is enough. We want to remain part of the European Union. We won't be dictated to by other parts of the, the UK who quite rightly have their own views on this issue. And I'm not de denying England and Wales are democracy in that respect. They're entitled to vote the way they did. So we had that referendum, Gina. And in early 2017, uh, the First Minister announced that there was going to be a required to be a referendum in 2017 on Scottish independence, referring to, of course, the manifestos, uh, her manifesto of 2016, which rightly said if there were, we were to be taken out against our will, then that would be a mandate for an independence referendum. What went wrong after that is we did not deliver on that. And that is what the SNP paid for 
in those 27 in that 2017 general election when we lost 20 odd candidates because we were voted in in numbers in 2015 to affect that change off the back of a, a pro-independence vote. Well, we, we took the elected to 45%, which was a huge achievement in that period of time. And we haven't advanced it much more since then, which goes to show that the work that needs to be done hasn't been done uh, to, to take it even further across the line. So Brexit came along. I, in my view, we should have campaigned for independence and that independence referendum in 2017, not shied away from it, not shied away from using the words independence on our buses. And in, 20, in the 2019 general election, you know, which elected, which gave Boris Johnson his majority of MPs, which have allowed them to treat Scotland in the manner in which they've treated Scotland, uh, which, which took away, you know, <laughs> Theresa May was all over the place. We had plenty of opportunities to negotiate a strong position for Scotland using the number of votes we had. But we let that slide by. Supported it, we, when I say the SNP, of course, had a 2019 election, which gave Boris Johnson um, his majority at Westminster, campaigned the SNP in on a stop Brexit uh, campaign on the side of buses that they were unable to deliver. So why we exist now and why we are here now is that work has to be done. And in a very short space of time in our manifesto, we've spoken about an economic reconstruction plan, an ALBA economic reconstruction plan, fundamentally more ambitious than anything else on offer by mobilising capital through the Scottish National Investment Bank to finance socially rented housing and other key infrastructure projects. The creation of all these new corporations, the Scottish, a Scottish Renewables, a National Renewables Corporation, to finance the transition from a carbon-based economy. And this SNRC will receive an, an automatic shareholding, in, in our view, is what it should be of all licensed energy projects of 30 megawatts and above. You know, a proposed proposal of a written constitution for Scotland, our proposals in terms of, as we've, we've just discussed, joining EFTA, you know, getting into the EEA as quickly as possible. I don't want to interrupt you when you're, you're reeling off your manifesto commitments there, but I think, you know, a lot of people will be quite surprised, don't you think? Even people who don't vote for pro-independence party parties that, I mean, this is not just a question for Alba, this is a question for all, you know, the SAP and the Scottish Greens as well, that in the past seven years, you know, even with the Growth Commission report that the SNP produced, which was, you know, almost dismissed immediately, um, that there hasn't really been any work done. And now I understand what you're saying. There was um, elections, there was a Brexit referendum, there was another general election, and there was another general election, you know, and in terms of the, the electoral politics, candidates and and, and um, sitting MPs or whoever get caught up in all of that. So, But, you know, in the background, where are the people that should have been doing the work? Where are the economists? I mean, you you you, you reeled off a list of experts that are involved with um, your manifesto just now. Um, you know, but where are the economists that are pro-independence that have been doing that work so that, like you say, you want to hit the ground running next week if you're elected, you know, but that case is not there. So, I, I mean, yeah, well, I, I'm not putting then? this all on your shoulders, obviously, Tasmina, but no. I just feel people will <laughs> no. be surprised, I think, in general, that that work, you know, hasn't appeared. And, 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 and does the independence, I mean, you talk about the movement, about the people who are out marching and so on, and, and you know, um, and, and they do that, I suppose, to keep up that public um, uh, discussion of, of independence, but it's, you know, it's the what is going on in the background, you know, that I think that surprises a lot of people that that hasn't happened. Well, I'm not going to disagree with you, Gina, because I agree with you that, of course, why hasn't the work been done? Why isn't there an up-to-date economic plan for independence? Why has that been allowed to slide by? I mean, I mean, I, the, the pandemic started, uh, uh, of course, last year in, 
in 2020. Uh, but prior to that time, what's been happening, when I was out of elected office in, in 2017, Gina, as was Alex Salmond, we, we've not been at the forefront of, of, of politics, but we've not had the opportunity or the platform to do so. Certainly through the opportunities that we've had, we've been, we've been talking about the need to do that. In terms of uh, economic plans, well, why haven't the... This is a question clearly for the Scottish government in terms of what preparations have they made towards uh, if they're promising uh, uh, an independence referendum in their manifesto, whether they can deliver one or not, depending on the avenue which they choose to take uh, in that respect. What work have they done? So the question should rightly be directed at them. One of the reasons for, for the forming of Alba Party, Gina, just a few weeks ago was because that work hasn't been done. And the people who have joined us are people who are of that belief that the work hasn't been done and it requires to be done now because we can't wait any longer. We are facing the fallout of Brexit. We are facing the need for economic recovery post-pandemic that you know, straddles a whole range uh, of different subject areas. And so you know, the work needs to be done and that's what we're here to do. We have put forward... Um, some legitimate, we think, and forward-thinking options in our manifesto that we hope other pro-independence parties will look at as worthy of consideration. And there's certainly policies that we'll take to Parliament if we're successful in the elections this week. It isn't good enough that work hasn't been done, Gina. I agree with you. We're here to make sure that work that hasn't been started and should have been started starts now. Okay. Just to move on slightly, Tasmina, obviously um, you mentioned putting down a motion. You mentioned looking for support for some of your policies from the other parties should you uh, should your party be elected on Thursday. And um, I wonder how much of a drawback it is having Alex Salmond as your leader um, in that case, because there are many MSPs, you know, of all colours uh, of Rosette who would, who would say that they would not want to work with Alex Salmond again, given the past three years and, and everything that's gone on. I mean, is that how big an issue is that for you as a woman? It's interesting, you know, I think that there are so many women that have gone to join the Alba party. Um, and, you know, you have obviously been very loyal to Mr. Salmond. You work with him um, in his television production company. But do you understand why there would maybe be a reluctance amongst some other MSPs to work with Alba while he is your leader? Well, Gina, you ask a, a lots of maybes, maybe, maybe a reluctance. Who are these MSPs? Who are the MSPs? Well, that Nicola Sturgeon is very Alex clear Salmon? that she wouldn't work with, with Alba for a start. Well, th well, then that indeed is a problem for, for Nicola Sturgeon. If Nicola Sturgeon is running on a manifesto for delivering the right to an independence referendum for Scotland, because that is something we support. And the idea uh, that, uh, as we've discussed earlier, that any motion would be would be ignored or, or, or not supported is quite frankly ridiculous. If you're a party that supports delivering independence for Scotland, why would you not? What possible justification would there be unless this was something about personalities as opposed to your nation? Scotland's a country. This isn't about putting what your feelings may be or not be about an individual, whether it's from Nicholas' perspective, Alex's perspective, my perspective, or anyone else's perspective. It can't be about putting personal before country. What does that say to the people of Scotland? That they don't matter? It doesn't matter what mandate they give the, the Scottish Parliament. We're going to do what we think that we, we feel is right based on our, on, on our personal feelings. That would be a bizarre scenario to get into. So, as you rightly say, we have 18 very strong uh, female candidates standing in this election, pro-feminist candidates, women who've, who've left the SNP. 
because they don't feel the SNP is a home for them and the strong stance on women's rights. Women's rights activists who've left the SNP because they don't believe the SNP is a safe home for their stance on women's rights to single-sex spaces. These are the important messages that, that we're hoping that will come across to the electorate. This is what is important. Alex Salmond has dedicated his entire life to the cause of independence and will continue to do so, no doubt, until his dying day. That's a matter and a question, no doubt, you will ask of him. But certainly that is my understanding of Alex Salmond. And I don't think anyone else who's being honest in this debate would suggest anything other. So Alex is standing as leader of ALBA party with the support of all of his candidates and all of his members to deliver on independence because that is the imperative, economic imperative and every possible imperative now for the people of Scotland for us to be able to advance ourselves into the new post-pandemic era. Um, Tasmina, uh, just to carry on about um, Alex, because I think I think you have to accept that his character has been called into question over the last few years um, due to his behaviour that was admitted to be inappropriate. So I want to ask you a straight question, if if that's all right. Gordon ha- Gordon Jackson, sorry, you know his QC described Alex Salmond as a sex pest and an objectionable bully. Is that true, or was he stitched up by your former SNP colleagues? Now, Connor, you will of course be aware that Gordon Jackson has refuted that to be the case. I think you're talking about a, a recording. He's filmed on, on a train. A, a, well, yes, on a train where there are missing words in terms of what was said, and indeed that is a subject of an ongoing investigation. Yeah, so it I don't is. Think right. we should, I don't think we should be commenting um, on that at all. And I have to say, I do object to these random stray comments that are made, you know, flippantly about. You know, things that were admitted to when nobody actually says, you know, what these things are, commentary made, innuendo made. And I also object to the blacking out of the voices of the seven female defence witnesses who also appeared at that trial and who were also heard by the jury and by all accounts, whose accounts were believed by that jury. So as a lawyer, I don't believe it's my place to question a jury verdict. I don't believe it's anyone else's place to do that. Otherwise, we're getting ourselves into a very strange position in terms of the rule of law in Scotland. And further, I don't think there's a, a right kind of woman where you ignore some women's voices and just listen to others. There were women's voices in Alex Salmon's defence in his trial. We weren't able to be anonymous. Our names were printed in the press. I think we're entitled to respect respect for what we said, respect because we were prepared to stand up and dispel some of the mistruths, and respect because the jury clearly listened to what we had to say and delivered their verdict, I would hope, on the basis of that. Tasmina, there is a difference, not... though, isn't there? Oh. Sorry, sorry, Gina. There is a difference, though, between criminal uh, actions, of which you're absolutely right, uh, Mr Salmond was, was acquitted in a high court, um, and inappropriate behaviour to other people. I mean, I'm just looking at quotes here from Gordon Jackson, who this was in the court, so this is what he said in court, that Alex could be inappropriate end quote, and quote, a bugger to work for, end quote. The, this, is a, this is a man's character that has clearly been called into question by former colleagues and uh, even admitted in court as being inappropriate. Um, you must surely understand why there are people in politics unwilling to work with Alex and unwilling to back Alex and Alba because of this behaviour. 
Now, you're talking about, you know, you're referring to a, a Gordon Jackson's, I think, summing up speech, perhaps. But you're talking about admitted to things in court, whilst in the same breath suggesting, uh, you know, that there should be some questioning of that jury verdict. You're talking I'm not, about... I'm not, I'm not suggesting that we should question the jury verdict right. at all, because so he was acquitted. Alex, trial, was, well, Alex was fully acquitted in indeed. that trial, and so there's no question about, the about that. But there is a difference between criminal behaviour and inappropriate behaviour. If we're talking about a trial, uh, Connor, then we have to respect the verdict of that trial. In terms of all these words that are being bandied about about, about inappropriate behaviour, as I say, all of, these matter, all of these matters were dealt with. And the views of us women who spoke and gave contrary views in relation to that should also be respected, Connor. None of us women have been asked for comments, I should say, by the press in relation to any of these issues. None of us, our names are known. We haven't been questioned because why? It's not the copy you want to have. Forgive me for having this view, but we have been sidelined and we've been sidelined indeed by the BBC who talked about women candidates in the election and have manifestly ignored the fact that ABBA women candidates even exist. So forgive us for using this platform to have our voices heard. And there are the very facts, Connor that Alba being five weeks old and polling now to achieve electoral success and seats in the Scottish Parliament will tell you that what matters most is the verdict of the Scottish electorate on Thursday. They will decide the future of Alex, myself and our fellow candidates and our future is quite rightly in their hands. Let's leave it up to them to make those very important decisions. Tasmina, sorry, can I just quickly go back to what you were saying there about the fact that you know, you and others uh, who were giving evidence at the trial uh, for the defence were not anonymous. You're not suggesting, surely, that the women who were on, you know, giving their evidence on the prosecution side shouldn't have been anonymous, are you? Oh goodness, no, Gina, no. absolutely not. No, absolutely. And our, our, our manifesto um, actually deals quite specifically that it should be an automatic right to anonymity. It shouldn't require a court order. Absolutely, and in relation to a variety of other of other potential offences as well. Absolutely not, Gina, please not. I don't mean that. What I mean is, as women, we were, because our names were right, that we were also attacked, yeah? We were also attacked. We, we faced abuse. We receive abuse now. We receive threats now. And perhaps it should be considered that, you know, women who are, who are offering evidence of defence, there should be perhaps a case made for their anonymity being protected because we've seen the fallout of that. That's all I'm merely stating. I absolutely believe in, 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 in women's rights to, to anonymity. I've been campaigning for women all of my life. I'm a mother to three daughters. So I hope I've made that point absolutely clear. I'm merely stating a fact that we weren't able to be anonymous. Therefore, we, we were able to be abused openly by name not just by, uh, by defining, by, by letters, etc. all of which I condone. I think it's absolutely despicable behaviour by those who have done it. Yeah, OK, thanks. Can I ask, Tasmina, I mean, you've, you're, you've been in politics in Scotland for a long time now. Um, this is, Alba's your fourth party, I believe, that you've been a member of, which is some kind of political trajectory I don't think anybody else uh, can maybe offer <laughs> to the Scottish electorate. But when did you realise that the SNP, for you, weren't the party that you wanted to be in anymore. I mean, why, when did you quit the SNP? Right, so uh, can I please, uh, Gina, thank you for asking the question, uh, co correct the record, because <laughs> people go to Wikipedia, which uh, despite attempts by people to update it, seems to not be interested in updates uh, uh, based on truth and fact. I was, uh, like my kids, my kids, I've got four kids, Gina, and uh, not all of voting age, but uh, 
we'll, we'll all support independence, probably because it's all they've heard from me in the last 21 years, me and my husband. I was, I was born into, into a Tory household. Yeah, my dad was the first Asian person of colour regional councillor in the whole of the United Kingdom way back in, in the early 80s. And I campaigned as a Tory and I did stood uh, for the Tories uh, in the Scottish parliamentary um, elections. Um, and so, you know, that's that, that, that's what I was brought up doing. It was in that campaign in Govan where I stood against Nicola Sturgeon and Gordon Jackson, uh, no, le- no, le- no less. Um, that it was when I moved from my life of cosy middle class Edinburgh to real life Glasgow, because I married in Glasgow, married a Glaswegian, that I understood that my life was not reflective of the life of majority of people in Scotland. And it was very much that campaign in 1999, which had a huge impact on my understanding of the issues that affected people. And I joined the SNP in 2000 off the back of that election campaign. And I've been supporting uh, independence since then. You mentioned the Labour Party. I was there, uh, you know, when I was married in, in, in 1991, early 90s, I moved into an extended family household in Glasgow, a very difficult period in, in my life um, because um, I was expected to hold certain views and conduct myself in certain ways, which was was difficult for me. I don't want to say, say anything more than that. It was a very traditional Asian family because my father-in-law passed away from COVID just a couple of months ago and it would be inappropriate for me to do so. Apart from to say this, my father-in-law requested of me in that environment that I attend a, one Labour Party meeting uh, to vote for Mr Sarwar. That was my sole involvement in the Labour Party at the request of my now deceased father-in-law. So thank you for giving me the opportunity to put the record straight in respect of that. My move to Alba now, quite simply, was twofold. And the imperative for injecting with my former colleagues. Can I say, Gina, you know, I, I have former colleagues in the SNP who I adore, love dearly, have worked with, and uh, would walk to the end of the earth to, in terms of independence and back, because uh, I respect them so highly. But I feel that we have an opportunity now to move that debate along um, in terms of, of the existence of the Alba Party and, and increasing the number of pro-independence MSPs because we need action in that respect. And also, and very importantly, because women have felt unsafe and unable to express their views, certainly some of them, in the SNP. And a home required to be, uh, to be made and created or adapted for those, for those women who share the same views as me to be able to express them in a safe environment. And, and Alba offers that environment. Alba has got a very strong uh, pro-women women policies, pro-equality policies um, as well, Gina. And, you know, what we've received, as you'll be aware, of course, I know you're, you're, you're a follower and, and, and uh, I like your work very much indeed, Gina. We received five stars from for women in Scotland, in terms of our policy being, you know, the, the definitive policy for, for protecting women's rights in Scotland, which are really important. And let's just not use phraseology and terminology. I am, I was women's inequalities convener for the SNP, very proudly so, for six or seven years. And I don't think anyone would say I have any anti-equality bone in my body. What, where I feel Scotland has failed, Scotland's parliament has failed, Scotland's government has failed, indeed the SNP has failed, is to be able to have a debate around GRA, which is respectful of everybody involved in that debate. There should be space for absolutely everybody. No one equality is more important and more virtuous than another. But unfortunately, for a variety of reasons, the the debate has been framed in in a toxic manner. We have to come out of that, which is why our positive contribution, I hope, to this debate is that there must be a Citizens' Assembly to discuss these matters where there's been too much heat and too little light. But this must not be 
at the expense of women's rights. Hard fought for and hard won. What we're trying to do is make people understand what they are, not just use terminology that doesn't mean things to people, use terminology that does mean things to people in terms of women's rights to, to single-sex spaces, women's rights to choose who may examine them, women's right to choose in older age who may wash them when, or, when they're on a ward, you know, women's rights to choose you know, whether a male can enter their spaces. These are important arguments that require to be made and important voices that need to be listened to. I honestly believe that Scotland, is, Scotland can find a way forward in this, but find a way forward we must with compassion and understanding uh, of all of the arguments involved. Sorry, Tasmina, I don't know if I have overcut you there. I think I might be a bit delayed. <laughs> Apologies. Um, but just a quick question. Did you ask Joanna Cherry to join Alba? No, I didn't ask Joanna Cherry to join Alba, no. Did anybody? Did anyone? <laughs> it's not for me to ask what anybody else did. That's a, you know, why don't you ask the question? Surely should be asked of Joanna Cherry if anyone did and who they did, and then you can single them out, Connor. But no, I didn't. What I will say, what I will say um, is Joanna is a friend, a dear friend, someone who I respect greatly, someone who was a, a good friend to me at Westminster and indeed a, a good friend to me when I lost my seat at Westminster. It's very difficult uh, to, to achieve electoral success and then, and then lose your seat, particularly when you've given up absolutely everything to do it. She's a strong feminist voice in Scotland and in the movement for independence, one who I admire and one how, who I will uh, continue to listen to. And I'm sure in time to come, uh, let's hope for some Alba success, in the future, um, in the pro-independence debate, which I hope and anticipate that despite what people are saying now, because I do believe fundamentally that people will say something different now, will put country before personality. I hope we can all work together under the different political parties um, who we represent to advance the cause of women and advance the cause of independence and advance the cause of equality. Final question for you, Tasmina, before we let you get back to the campaign trail. Um, you and Alex um, both work on The Alex Salmon Show, on RT, uh, formerly Russia Today. Um, there are legitimate questions about that involvement um, with Russia. Um, what's your opinion of Vladimir Putin? <laughs> Connor, my, I mean, sorry, my involvement with Russia is what? What's well, my working, involvement Working Russia? for Russia Today. I don't work for Russia Today. I set up a small, as a woman independent broadcasting produ production company, not broadcasting, I'm not a broadcast, I'm a broadcasting platform, an independent production company to make programs. I make films with my husband. I make a program with Alex Salmond. I don't work for Russia. I work for me. I work for Tasmina Ahmed Sheikh. We produce a program that's aired on a platform. The program is initially produced to be aired elsewhere. There was a a deal you may have heard of with ITV to involve, you know, getting into the jungle and all of that. And my advice was, I don't think Alex should be going into any jungle, but uh, I'm glad you took that advice. But it meant, of course, our programme wasn't aired on ITV, but elsewhere. Um, but, you know, the idea that you're asking me to questions about, about Putin, just because my, my programme is on a channel, it is quite bizarre because on that basis, you could ask a lot of people a lot of questions about foreign policy decisions based on where the programme is aired. So I'm an independent woman, Connor, of independent mind. I don't think, it's the first time I've had a chat with you, I don't think you'd be suggesting anything else since our, since our discussion today. Uh, I make a, a programme where I have editorial control and nobody but nobody 
has interfered in that editorial control. Uh, our programmes, I'm very proud of our programmes, cover a range of issues. I hope we've made a solid contribution um, in terms of knowledge um, and information relative to COVID pandemic, because we've had detailed analysis from many experts who've come on and given really important answers to very pressing questions that our, our public have had relative to public health. But a number of other issues as well, politically, all around the world not least um, in terms of equality and gay rights. And we've had many people on our show who are not friends of Russia, who we've given a platform to air those views, corner. So I'm very proud of my work indeed. Thank you for asking. <laughs> Jasmina, can I just follow that up um, with the question? Because, you know, apparently, um, although I'm quite sure you'll you'll correct us if this is, if this is wrong, you know, you once um, described Alex Salmond as being out of his depth uh, and utterly naive um, when he condemned NATO's um, intervention in Kosovo. Um, and I just wonder if you think he's also been naive around the, the Russian question, because, you know, you've been quite um, strong there in your repudiation of whether or not you're involved uh, or have any association with the Russian government. But, you know, he's been asked on a number of occasions recently about the scurple poisoning in Salisbury and whether or not he believed that the Russian um, government was behind that. And he has felt unable to say yes, despite all of the evidence um, that points to that being, being the, the answer. And I just well, wonder, is he naive on Russia? Or, you know, and, I mean, do you think the Russian government was involved with the, the poisoning in Salisbury? Well, there's there's a lot packed into that question, Gina. So first of all, I do hope when you when you when you've spoken to other people in this excellent podcast, which I'm thoroughly enjoying, that you've managed to dig up press releases from twenty odd years ago. <laughs> I just wonder what you might what nuggets and gems you might find in there relative to that Tory party press release of decades ago now. Goodness me, some people have served time in jail and have been allowed to rehabilitate themselves, <laughs> but the rehabilitation of Tasmina Amishek just doesn't seem to be acceptable to Scottish society. Um, I, I mean, the question, the question, the interesting question this is, we, this, this election is really important. This is why elections to the Scottish Parliament, it's not about anything else. This is about elections that hopefully, depending on what the result is, will elect people that will make a difference to those people who, like me, have lost people to COVID, I've lost three family members to COVID, people living in poverty and inequality, people from minority ethnic communities who've disproportionately suffered. The questions you need to be asking politicians are what they're going to do about that. There's a place and time for, for foreign policy. It's not even something that is devolved to the Scottish Parliament. Yes, but you want to be an independent country, Tasmina. You want to be independent? Yeah, Absolutely, I do. But you're asking about you're, you're asking me about one particular country because my one television program that I independ independently produce happens to be broadcast on that. I don't have any views of any interest to anybody about any of these things. I'm really I'm really doing my work and highlighting issues on a weekly basis that matter to people with full, full editorial control. But this election is about the matters I've just suggested, and it's very interesting that certain party leaders and ask certain questions, and others aren't. All I would say is, based on my chatting to people in their gardens and not their doorsteps, because they're not knocking knocking doors, because generally it's, it's, people don't really like that in, in COVID environment. What matters to them is what we're going to deliver to make their lives better, to put money in their pockets, to enable them to feed their kids. And that's where I hope the media is focused between now and election day to find out who's going to be best placed to deliver that. 
I note, Tasmina, just before we finish, you didn't answer whether or not uh, Russia were behind the scriptful poisonings. <laughs> well, Connor, I mean, I mean let, let's do around the houses. Do you have a whole list of questions to ask me about about things that have happened internationally and whether I agree or not with the outcome? Well, you see, the only reason no, we're asking you because, you know, Alex Hammond has been asked and, and, and hasn't really answered, you know, so that's why it's coming to you. The only reason Alex Salmond has been asked is because he works with me, Women of Independent Mind, in producing, in producing this programme. Let's ask the Tories what they think about Russian involvement, given that David Cameron was pleading for Putin's help in the referendum of 2014. Let's see who calls on which international pals when that independence referendum is finally delivered. But for now, let's concentrate on what matters to people who are struggling to make both ends meet. Well, thank you very much, Tasmina. We really appreciate your time um, with us uh, today. Uh, sincerely, best of luck on Thursday um, and uh, potentially see you in, in, in Holyrood after Thursday as well. Thank you. It's been lots of fun. You're nothing like what you write, Connor. You're a thoroughly <laughs> nice person. And Gina, I've always liked you. <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you very much, Tasmina. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. The Steamy, a laudable production for The Scotsman.